Morning, Grace. Hey, uh, for those of you who uh, heard about it, I had a little bit of a, a crash on a bicycle uh, last week and uh, bonked my head pretty hard, messed up my shoulder. Um, so I just want to thank you. I've really felt uh, the prayers. Um, it's been really cool. One of the things that just moves me is uh, there was a little bit of time where I was um, unconscious. And uh, I'm told, although I don't remember any of this, uh, that my son Robbie uh, prayed over me. So I was just thinking this morning, just I'm not sure dad could ask for any more than that. So thank you. But anyway, I, I think I'm fine. Uh, I tend to repeat myself a lot, so this could be a really long sermon. Uh, I think I'm okay. A little bit sore, so uh, if I've been uh, rejecting your hugs this morning, it's not because I don't love you. Uh, it's just that they're a little bit painful. So um, anyway, I'm okay, uh, but I do appreciate all the prayers. I know a lot of people have been praying for me, and uh, thank you. So uh, we are in a uh, series that we're just launching today. It's probably pretty obvious from the shirts and the signs and everything else you see in the series that we're calling B. And the idea of this series is that we are called to be on mission, that we're called to be the very ones that God uses to bring about his kingdom, that we're called to be the solution, that we're called to be the ones out there making a difference through the work of God in our lives. And so throughout these next five weeks, we're going to just talk about different things that God is calling us to be. We just finished walking through the book of Nehemiah, and in the book of Nehemiah, what we saw was there's something powerful happens when God's people come together with a common purpose, with a, with a common goal, that something profound happens when God's people are all pulling in the same direction. I want to take just a minute, and I want to kind of look back at Nehemiah before I get into our passage uh, for today, and I just want to look at two phrases or passages from Nehemiah that I would like us to hold on to that I think should become part of our DNA, if you will. It should just be uh, two verses that we just keep going back to throughout the next ministry year, especially. And the first one is Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, verses 1, the very beginning. It says that all of the people gathered together as one man means they stood together as one person. They stood together united. The, the unity was a direct result of them having a, a common vision, a, a purpose, something that they were all working towards together. Something happens when the people of God stand together in unity to accomplish something that God has called them to do. It becomes this powerful movement. We see it throughout the, the scriptures. This is one of the awesome things that's going to happen with the Belize team. They are going to go on this trip. They're going to have common goals. They're going to have common problems. They're going to share an awful lot of things in common, and they will forever be linked together. If you've ever been on a short-term mission trip with a group, you something happens happens that you become connected with them in a powerful way. So this is, this is part of what God wants to do with us as a church. He wants us to come together. He wants us to stand together as one person for a common goal and a common purpose. One of the things we learned as we talked about unity and Flett so brilliantly laid this out is that the Acts Church came together, but they also shared everything in common. And Flett pointed out that it's not enough for us just to be in the room together. We've accomplished the first part of that. We've come together, but do we share everything 
in common. To share everything in common means we would have a common faith, we'd have common goals, common purposes, common language, common identity, common passions. To share everything in common means that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. When one part of the body celebrates, we all celebrate. So the first thing that I want us to hold on to from Nehemiah is this need for us to come together as one man. And the second thing I would love for us to hold on to in the months and years ahead is from Nehemiah 6, 16, where it says, for they, talking about the surrounding nations, it says, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. When we stand together as one person and we do what God is calling us to do, the world will see it. The world will take notice. They will see that God is doing something in us and through us. It's the work of the church so profound, not just grace, but the church in Metro Detroit, so profound that the people who don't know God are stepping back and looking and saying, wow, God is doing something in their midst. God is doing something through them. The wall, right? Nehemiah, he built the wall in 52 days. So the people built the wall. The surrounding nations, they saw it and they knew they perceived that God was at work in the people. So that's the goal, that we would stand together as one person, that we would accomplish something that God is calling us to accomplish, and the world would see that God is up to something. That's what we exist for, is to make God known, to show the world that God is still alive, that God is powerful, that God is doing something through his people. So as we come out of Nehemiah, We've seen the power, we've talked about the power of unity. What we wanna do for the next few weeks is actually talk about what does this look like for us as a church? What is that one thing where we can stand together as one person and pull in the same direction? And th there's really two initiatives that, that are in front of us that are gonna kind of require a, all hands on deck. The first is in September, we're gonna roll out the Saturday service. This is a big deal. And the funny thing is people keep asking me, how are you guys gonna do that? When they ask that question, they mean, how's the staff gonna do that, right? And the, the, the question is a good question, but the answer is we're, we're not. You are, right? And so if you think about Nehemiah, the question wouldn't have been, Nehemiah, how are you gonna build the wall? Nehemiah couldn't build the wall. It took all of the people coming together to build the wall. So when it comes to the Saturday service, there's gonna be a need for all of us to ask some questions of what is our involvement gonna be. As a matter of fact, we're gonna ask you to commit to which service you're gonna come to, and then we're gonna ask you to make a commitment to serve at least, some of you are already serving more than this, but to serve at least one Sunday a month in the service that you've decided to make your home service. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So that's one of the big initiatives that we all need to be aware of, that we need to kind of be pulling in the same direction for. And the second one is this thing that we're doing with SOAR Detroit where we're coming together with churches all over Metro Detroit and businesses in Metro Detroit with the desire and the goal to teach every willing third grader in Detroit to read at or above grade level. It's a phenomenal opportunity that God has put in front of us. And so what we are saying is if the churches, not just Grace, but the churches can come together, we have an opportunity to fix the broken education system in Detroit. So one of the things we're asking is that everyone that calls, yeah, we should clap for that. It's a good thing. So one of the things we're asking is that everyone who calls Grace home commit to giving one hour a week 
to change the trajectory of a kid's life to help teach them to read one hour a week. And the beauty of this is we have centers here at Grace and really all over the city of Detroit where, it's, where if it's more convenient for you to serve at Second Ebenezer or at Evangel or at one of the other locations, what we wanna do is make it convenient for you. Wherever your normal commute is, if we can find a place where you can stop and teach a kid to read, that's what we wanna do. But one of the things I wanna do, we showed this video I think probably a month or a month and a half ago, and I just want to show it to you one more time. Uh, it's just a powerful picture of what can happen when God's people come together and uh, help teach some young people to read. So let's watch this video about Luke and Larry. When the boys came to us, Luke knew only two words. That's all he knew, two words. If you cannot read, you can't do anything, and I want to see them prosper. With God's help, I know it can be done. Let them listen, obey, and love their teachers. I ask in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise God. See you later, my baby. Okay. All right. If you can't read, it stunts you for life, and it's disheartening. I'm Alicia Brown. I'm Luke's mentor at SOAR. I don't know what he's missing and what he's not getting um, and what made him come to SOAR in the first place, but he pushes me to be a better parent, to be a better servant. So early on when we started the literacy program, uh, God gave me this pretty clear vision of teaching every willing third grader in Detroit to read at or above grade level. And what's become clear is if we can do that, if we can do that one thing, it will change the trajectory of the kids' lives in Detroit. It will change the city of Detroit. So Detroit is an after-school reading program where for two hours a week, students get to come and receive love, care, and focused attention from a mentor. You know, you can never actually say what working with one child will do, but if it takes that child towards doing great things for the community and for the Lord, you can't beat it. We are called as a church to do justice. The scriptures say that I, the Lord, love justice, do justice. And it is an injustice that children don't get the education that they need to be successful. We believe that now is the time for the church to come together and to flip the statistics upside down. That instead of 14% of third graders reading at grade level, that in the near future, 86% of third graders can be reading at grade level. To help teach a kid how to read and to speak into his life, her life, could this be the year that we do that together? So imagine if, if we were successful at this. Imagine if we got to that 2,000 kids this year and 4,000 in the year ahead and maybe five or 6,000 going forward and we did this over the next 10 years. Imagine the impact that that would have in Detroit. So it works. It works. I see a change. And I don't know if I would be happy with myself if I didn't serve in this capacity. And also, I don't know if I would be happy with myself if I didn't see that my work is actually changing someone. We're trying to give 
every kid in Detroit what they need to succeed. Kids like Luke, kids like Larry, this could very much be an axe moment for the church. I think if we do what God is calling us to do, Really, the tutoring program, the work with SOAR, Detroit, it, it really is our wall. It's the Nehemiah story that, that God has put before us as a church. So in a little bit, we're going to ask you to fill out this card, uh, and we just want to ask everybody to commit to uh, making a difference in this, in this whole thing. So uh, we are in this new series called B, and uh, what I'd love for you to do is grab your Bibles, turn to Joshua. Joshua is in the Old Testament, sixth book of the Old Testament, and uh, the very last chapter is chapter 24. And uh, what I'm going to do through this chapter, is in, in this last chapter, is I'm going to talk about the power of serving. Serving is one of our six essentials, that we gather together what we're doing today, that we connect in small groups, that we serve, that we have hearts of generosity, hearts of devotion, that we're people of influence. But we're going to talk about serving. And what I hope for today is that maybe you see serving a little bit differently than you have in the past. So we're going to use Joshua 24 kind of to launch us into this conversation uh, about serving. So Joshua 24, verse 1. And what you have here is the end of a, a story, if you will, in Joshua of the God's people taking the promised land. So if you remember the, the Israelites and they were uh, freed from uh, slavery in Egypt, right? And then they, they went into the, the, the desert and they wandered for 40 years. Well, when Joshua starts, it's really the, the story of when they begin to take possession excuse me, of the promised land. And so they've taken possession and now Joshua is talking to the people uh, after all of that takes place. It's the end of that particular story. Joshua 24, verses one and two. Joshua gathered the tribes of Israel in Shechem and he summoned the elders and the heads and the judges and the officers of Israel and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, and the fathers of Abraham, Abraham and Nor, and they served other gods. Keep your Bibles open to chapter 24, because I'm going to read a couple more passages. But what we have here is this picture of starting in, in verse 2, where Joshua says that, that God wants to tell you something. And then he says, long ago. And so God, through Joshua, begins to tell them the story of how they were set free from slavery. He begins to tell them how they were pulled together as God's people and, and established as, a, as God's people through Abraham and, and all that God has done for him as he, he delivered them from Egypt, miracle after miracle. And through, through Joshua, God reminds them that he's established them, not just as a people, but with a, a place of which to have influence. And if you jump down to verse 14, says in verse, four, or yeah, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. It says, therefore, therefore is there because he just said, this is all that I've done for you. I've set you free. I've, I've, I've established you as a people. I've given you a place to, to, to live out your, your, your lives together and have influence on the world. Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. 
And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you're going to serve, whether the gods of your, your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites whose land you now dwell. But then Joshua says these powerful words that you've probably heard along the way. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says to the people, you have to make a choice. You have to decide whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve something or someone else? Jesus said something very similar in the gospel of Matthew. He said, no one can serve two masters for they're either gonna hate one and despise the other. He's gonna be devoted to one or despise the other. The question that we have to wrestle with is who or what do you serve? This is a question that we're faced with every day. This is actually a question I believe we're faced with throughout the moments of every single day of our lives. Who are you going to serve? In the moment of temptation, who are you going to serve? Right in the moment of difficulty, things are really hard and we're going through a really difficult season. Who are you going to serve? In seasons of trial, who are you going to serve? Right? Even in seasons of blessing, when, you, when so much is going right for you and it's easy to forget about our need for God, the question is, who are you going to serve? And we would all do well, everyone in this room, to take everyday moments and ask ourselves the question, who am I serving? Am I serving God or am I serving someone or something else? And it's a powerful proclamation that Joshua makes. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I have a good friend and she often asks the question, she says, Doug, what do you need to declare? What do you need to, to make a declaration of? Where do you need to put a stake in the ground? Where do you need me to, me to make a declarative statement about your life? And Joshua does that when he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But here's my small print, the fair warning. This is the, the, the little print on the bottle, right? If you make this proclamation, it's gonna cost you a lot. It's gonna require much of you. This is not a declaration for wimps. Anyone who's ever said following Jesus is for wimps has never followed Jesus. It requires something of us, and this declaration will require something of you. Are you ready to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? It's an important part of this passage. Joshua is making it so clear. The, the important takeaway for us from this passage is you were saved to serve. The reason you know who Jesus is, the reason you've been saved from your own depravity is to serve. That's why Joshua says, this is all that God has done for you. This is who God is. We have this beautiful picture of, of, of the, 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 the slavery in, in Egypt. And we have this picture of this, the, the lamb that was, was slain and the blood that was put over the doorpost, the Passover lamb. You know, all of that is a foreshadowing of Jesus, that we are 
God's people, that Jesus has saved us from slavery, that, the, that just like the Passover lamb was so that the angel of death would pass over, so too it is with us, that, that it's Jesus' blood that allows the angel of death to pass over us. And what Joshua is saying is, look, I saved you. Now the question is, are you going to serve me? And the same question applies to all of us. You were saved to serve. So here's the kind of the kicker, if you will. When you think about Joshua, or you think of those words of, of Jesus in Matthew when he says you're gonna choose, you're gonna serve one or you're gonna serve the other, is you don't really have a choice. You are going to serve. That's what Joshua is telling us. That's what Jesus was telling us, you know. I think, who was the uh, 60s artist that said you're gonna serve somebody? Bob Dylan, maybe, right? I didn't know I was gonna say that, so I didn't think that went through. But anyway... You're going to serve somebody. That's what both of these passages are telling us. So you have, if you don't make a choice, then you make a choice, right? So the question is, are you willing to choose who you're going to serve? Are you willing to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You're saved to serve. So I sent out on earlier this week and Facebook after my head cleared up a little bit, um, what does it mean to serve the Lord? And I got a ton of response and I would just encourage you if you're not, a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, it's a great way for you to just kind of keep track sometimes of what we're going to be teaching on. I'd love to send out little uh, questions that help me to hear what you guys are thinking about. But this was the question I asked. What does it mean to serve the Lord? And I got a ton of responses. Loved reading through all of your responses. Uh, and some of the responses were things like, well, uh, to serve the Lord is to be obedient. And I would say that's part of it. That's definitely true. Some people said to serve the Lord is just to bring God into everything you do. And, and I would say that's a part of it. Some people talked about uh, serving God is, is worship, like having a, a heart of worship. And, and that's a part of it uh, as well, right? To be willing to go where he calls you, do what he asks you to do was one of the responses. That's definitely a part of serving the Lord. But what does it really mean to serve the Lord? The life of a servant is a life of radical obedience to the master. We are saved to serve the Lord. So worship is a part of it. Personal devotion is a part of it. Bringing God into, into everything you do is a part of it, but it has to go beyond emotion. It has to go beyond just what's going on in our mind. It has to become part of what we physically do. So the best way I could explain it is imagine if I came home uh, from work, and I walked in the house, and I said, Meg, you are incredible. You are so beautiful. You're awesome. All of that would be true. You are just the greatest wife ever, and I just really want to serve you today. So if, for the rest of the evening, whatever you want me to do, I just want to serve you. But then I went to the living room, and I sat on the couch, and I turned on the TV. <laughs> and I sat there till the end of the night. Now, I can say what I can say, but am I really serving her? Right? If, if we're going to serve one another, it requires some sort of action. It requires a doing. It requires a being willing to do. If I say that to Meg, then she can say, you know what would really help? Could you just help me catch up with the laundry? Or could you wash this? Or whatever she would want me to do, I would be willing to do it. That's how we serve one another. So when it comes to serving, the place where the rubber meets the road is in our service to other people. So you are saved to serve the Lord, and you serve the Lord by serving others. Ephesians 2.10 says that you're God's workmanship, right? Created by, in Christ Jesus to do what? To do a good 
work, which God prepared in advance for you to do, that good work that God prepared for you that's using your gifts and your talents to serve other people, that's what it means to serve the Lord. So wherever God has called you to give your life away on behalf of other people is your way of serving the Lord. I want to show you this kind of profound paradox that exists in Scripture. Galatians 5.13, Paul is writing, and he says, for we are called to freedom. But then he gives us a warning. He says, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. If you have a NIV, I think it says something like an, an opportunity for uh, indulging in sinful behaviors, I think is what it says. So for, we're called to freedom, but don't use your freedom to indulge in what you want, but use your freedom to actually make yourself a slave. That's what that word serve there is, is a slave to others. Paul lets us know that we are called to serve. We are saved to serve the Lord, and we serve the Lord by serving others. And let me just say, and I just feel like I need to say this. I've been thinking about it a lot this week. So uh, when you see the word serve in the New Testament, more often than not, it's, it's the word slave. And I think they just wanted to make it more palatable for some people. And I will tell you, whenever I preach on the word doulos or, or slave, I always feel self-conscious about how much easier it must be for me to talk about the word slavery as a white male than it is for anyone of color. That word has so much more meaning, has so much more teeth than it is. But to be true to the New Testament, 150 times in the New Testament do we hear the word slave, that we are called to be slaves to Christ, that we're called to be slaves to one another. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 9, 19, though I am free and I belong to no man, look at these words, he says, I make myself a slave to everyone. But why? To win as many as possible. Can you see the declaration that Paul is making? Just like my friend says, what do you need to declare today? Right? Paul is saying, I'm free to do what I want to do. In Christ, I have freedom, but I make myself a slave to others. Why would I do that? To win as many as possible to the kingdom of God. We have to be willing to make a declaration. Who are you going to serve? We're saved to serve the Lord, and we serve the Lord by serving others. So here's what we're asking today. We're asking that you stand with us as one person, that we stand together as the, the body of Christ today, that we are willing to serve, that, that you would be the solution to what we have ahead of us, that you would be the one to help make it happen. So at this point, you should have one of these cards. If you don't have one of these cards, the ushers are going to file down, and you should also have a pen. And if you don't have a pen, just kind of hold up your hand, but not this one because it doesn't go up high enough. Hold up this hand. That's from falling off my bicycle. So uh, just hold up. If you need a card or you need a pen, the ushers are coming down. They can give you one. I would like everyone to have one of these. And I want to remind you what we're asking. We're asking everyone to consider which service they would like to make their, their uh, normal service. We understand life can come. And if you're normally coming on Saturday, you might come on Sunday or vice versa. But, but what's your normal service? If you're not ready to answer any of these questions, you can take this with you. But if you're ready, we want you to fill it out today. So you're going to fill out the obvious information, name and all that. But we want to know if you are planning to make Saturday your service, we want to know how many people are going to do that. And here's what we're looking for. If Saturday is your service, we would like you to commit to giving one Saturday a month to serving the body. 
of being a servant to the rest of the body. Because if all of us serve at least one Sunday a month, then everyone else can go to church, which is what we want. We want to share the load. I don't know if you know it, but a small percentage of people do the majority of work around grace. So we just fill this out. You can see all the little blocks on there. But the other thing we're asking is if you would make a commitment, that you would make a declaration that you're willing to give one hour a week to teach a young person to read and change the trajectory of a kid's life, a kid like Luke or a kid like Larry, where we know that we can make a profound difference in their lives. So we're asking you to fill this out. It's perforated, so you can keep this portion if you want, uh, and then we're just gonna ask you to turn these in in just a few minutes. So I'm gonna actually give you a moment just to fill that out, and then I'm gonna bring this uh, service to a close. I have this vision that's very clear to me of revival sweeping Detroit. And I don't think it's because of what Grace is doing. I think it's because of what the churches in Metro Detroit are doing uniquely right now. The way we've come together to plant church, the way we've come together to do the tutoring program, the way we've come together to do Life Your Mile. There's something unique happening in the, in the churches in Metro Detroit. And I think that we are gonna see an incredible revival. I actually think that God has made it pretty clear that he wants revival to happen in the United States and that part of that revival is gonna start, we need some people up there, part of that revival is gonna start right here in Detroit, that we are gonna lead the way towards something that's gonna sweep the nation. And I believe that the tutoring program is a part of that. Think about it, Nehemiah in 52 days, they built a wall and the surrounding nations perceived that God is at work. Imagine if the churches in Metro Detroit came together. Imagine if we, Grace Community Church, were the spearhead that led the way for churches coming together and we actually changed the broken education system in Detroit. The world would take notice and they would know that God is at work and they would see that Christ is working in us and through us. I believe revival is coming and I believe that this tutoring program is an important part of the revival that Detroit so desperately needs. And when I say Detroit, I am not talking about the city of Detroit. I am talking about Metro Detroit. You know that, that we need Jesus in the suburbs as much as we need Jesus in the city. You know that, right? What Detroit needs, what America needs, is to see the church united, doing something that the church has never done. The fact of the matter is, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are to be the solution. You are to be the ones that take the kingdom forward. I wanna close this morning with a passage from 1 Corinthians. Again, this is Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says, be steadfast. Be immovable. Think about those declarations, right? As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Make that declaration and then be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in works of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I don't read from it very often, but this is the message paraphrase of that verse. Throw yourselves into the work of the master. I love that. Throw yourselves into what God wants you to do. Be confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. God is calling us to something profound at grace in these days. And we're asking that you would stand together with us as one man and that the world would see God at work.
I'm gonna pray for us. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the uh, profound opportunity that you have given us to make a difference in our community. I pray that you would provide everything we need, even financially as we think about this tutoring program. We don't even know how we're gonna pay for it yet, and maybe there's people in this room who you're even stirring now that could help in that arena. That's great, but we need mentors, and we need finances, and we need other churches to come along beside us. Lord, would you continue to just pull all the pieces together, just like you did in Nehemiah's day, where everybody chipped in and did what they could do, and you poured out your spirit in a powerful way, and that's what we want, Lord. We just... We wanna see your spirit poured out in a powerful way. Use us, use us to make a difference. Help us to be the solution, the problems that are all around us. Thank you for this body, thank you that we are together. Just thank you, In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we have a prayer team that meets before the service. Uh, and one of the things is they ask the Lord, what is it that you're stirring in our body? What is it that people need? And this morning, uh, we heard a few different things as people were praying for you. Uh, and I just wanna share them because it may resonate with you. There'll be a prayer team down here, but uh, someone in the room is having trouble with gallbladder and you just wanna come down. We would love to just pray uh, for God to touch you in that. Um, there's... Uh, Somebody heard that there's somebody who's suffering with some scar tissue. If that's you, you probably already know what that means, even though I don't. Uh, heart disease came up, arthritis came up. Uh, and we just wanna encourage you, if those are things that you've been battling through and you even came here this morning, say, man, I wish I could just have somebody pray for me through this particular issue, that's what we would love to do. So the prayer team is down here. If it's something different and you want somebody to lay hands on you and not lay hands on you, but pray for you, uh, we would love to have you come down. So if the prayer team wants to come down, that would be great so that you're here. And for the rest of you, God bless you. Have a great, great Sunday. Mm -hmm.